0: Good morning. Good morning. That was good. That was, that was good. I like that. On April 11th, 1967, a group of U.S. Marines were ambushed. They were pinned down by North Vietnamese regulars. One of the Marines recalls that That day, it was so hot that the rice paddies were like baked concrete. They were fighting for their lives in the Cusan Valley. That day, Chaplain Father Vincent Capadano, known as the Grunt Padre, was seen jumping over foxholes, exposing himself to enemy fire diving down next to Marines, praying with them, saying the Lord's Prayer with them, bringing them encouragement, telling them that they were going to survive. Many were saved that day because of Father Capodanno. In fact, one Marine that was injured by enemy fire The grunt padre picked him up, put him on his shoulders, and carried him to safety. Father Capodano died that day with 27 bullet wounds that he received. Forty-six years later, he received the Medal of Honor posthumously, the highest honor that our government gives Honor, it's one of the most overlooked virtues in our society. In fact, I believe that our society is increasingly honorless. Throughout this month, we're going to look at this idea of honor. Very quickly, it will be July and it will be the 4th of July and we will celebrate our nation. There's not a lot of honor for her nation in society. Next Sunday, Father's Day. Not a lot of honor in society today for dads. We are going to look at this idea of honor throughout the month. And today we're going to start with the idea of honoring the Lord. And the Bible gives us an idea of what that looks like. So what is honor? Why is honor important? Why do we need to be concerned about it? And we're gonna take a look at the Gospels here for just a moment. And up to this point where we jump into Mark chapter six, Jesus has been casting out demons during his ministry. He's been healing the sick. He's been raising the dead. He has been turning water into wine. He has been doing incredible, miraculous things. And then Jesus takes a little side trip. I envision it, and I know this isn't what it was, but I envision that maybe he got an invitation to his class reunion. And he thought, you know, I should, I should, go, I should go back home to Nazareth. I should, I should go to the reunion. I should see all those people that I used to know back in my hometown. So he takes a little side trip to his hometown, the town of Nazareth. And we read about it in Mark chapter 6. Well, on the Sabbath, Jesus did that day in, in Nazareth what he did every Sabbath. He went to the synagogue and he began to teach there in the synagogue. And they, they knew who he was because they grew up with him. And they probably thought to themselves, we graduated with this guy. I, went, I dated his sister. I hung out. The things that I did with his brother, I, no, we would never want to repeat those things. But they knew who he was. And they wondered to themselves, where did this guy get all this wisdom? I mean, he didn't go beyond, you know, what we might consider high school in the Jewish tradition. He he received the same amount of training that that all the other guys did, but where did all this wisdom come from? Where did this power come from? How did he get the ability to do all these miracles? And I guarantee you they had heard about all the miracles. In fact, the Bible says that they took offense to him. They were offended. They were angry that one of them, one from their small town, one from their high school, would be possibly referred to as the Messiah. They were angry. Mark chapter six, starting at verse four, I want you to follow along with me. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home let me stop there what is jesus saying he's saying that as as a prophet a prophet will have honor everywhere else except with their family and in their hometown and with those who have known them throughout their lifetime let's carry on he said he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. That Greek word for honor, it means value, respect, esteem. To treat as precious or weighty or valuable. And something that is without honor It is simply treated as that which is common. In fact, we would say it is dishonored. Honor is something that we give. And we generally give it because we perceive that the one who it is being given to has sacrificed. Nazareth didn't value, didn't honor Jesus. There was a lack of honor for him in his hometown. And because of that, it limited their faith and it limited the amount of miracles that Jesus could do. As you read throughout Jesus' ministry, often it says he healed all. And in that community, he healed a few. It was their lack of honor, their lack of faith in him that caused this to happen. Friends, I want you to know that we are called to honor. We're called to honor God. Husbands, we're called to honor our wives. Wives, we're called to honor our husbands. Husbands. We're called to honor our parents. We're called to honor those that are in authority over us. We are called, in fact, to honor one another above ourselves. So let's take a look at this. Honor the Lord, the Bible says. The Bible only gives us two ways to honor the Lord. Two ways that scripture gives us. We're gonna look in a couple of weeks at one of those where the scripture says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. We're gonna take a look at that, what that means. And today, we're gonna look at the other one that the scripture gives us and it is that we will honor him with something else. Proverbs chapter three and verse nine says, honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops. This morning, I want to touch on three different mindsets that we can have as followers of Christ, but, but even beyond that, because these truths that we're going to talk about today, they, they, they go beyond the boundaries of Christianity. They go beyond the boundaries of a relationship with Christ Even those that do not follow God, if they live by these things, they will find them to be true. We're going to look at these three different mindsets, and we're going to look at some scriptural examples of each of these. The first one that I'd like us to look at, the first mindset, is called the bag. And in the bag mindset, there's never enough. Have you ever said to Yourself, or to someone else, or maybe heard someone say, "My check is spent before I even get it." That's a bag mindset. It's a bag mindset. It's a mindset that we read about in Haggai chapter one and verse six. The prophet Haggai writes, "This you have sown so much." In other words, you've worked really hard. You've worked really hard and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. The bag mindset is one that says, I'd like to do more. For God. I'd like to go more for God. I'd like to be used more by God. I'd like to give more for God. There's just never enough in the bag. Why? Because there's a hole in our bag. I'm actually friends on Facebook with my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Hoplin. Mr. Hoplin actually went to the same church that I did when I became a teenager. And I don't know if I ever went up to him and just thanked him for being my fifth grade teacher. I should have done that. But Mr. Hoplin told us a story when we were in that class and he was trying to teach us something, some sort of a lesson. And he and his brother worked at a grocery store when he was young. And one Friday on payday, he was in the parking lot waiting for his brother to to come after they had cashed their checks. And his brother came out of the store and his brother looked kind of funny because his brother had cashed his check and he had asked for his paycheck in coins, And he had filled every pocket that he had with coins. And so he walks out of the grocery store with his pockets filled with coins laughing until the seams in his pockets burst and all of his paycheck went rolling all over the parking lot. As a fifth grade kid, that image stood out in my mind all these years. His pockets literally lost the ability to hold the money that he had just received. Let's look to the New Testament here for an illustration of of what this bag mindset really would be like. John chapter 12 tells us that Mary Magdalene has... Uh, is pouring perfume on Jesus. And we understand that this was really in preparation for his burial because he would not receive an appropriate uh, anointing at burial. And so she pours that, that valuable uh, ointment out on Jesus, that valuable perfume out on him. This perfume was so expensive that the Bible says it was worth a year's wages. Now, just imagine what you make in a year and equate that with the value of what Mary had just poured out on Jesus. She pours this perfume out. It's an extravagant act of worship and the disciples are unhappy. They're unhappy because this is a lot of money that has just literally gone down the tubes. In fact, Judas mentions that this money could have been used to serve the poor. They were unhappy. It's a waste. We should have sold it, given it to the poor. The truth of the matter is that, that Judas didn't love the poor But Judas was the guy that held the bag. He's the guy that held the bag. He's the one that was sort of the treasurer for the group. Okay? And scripture tells us that Judas, from time to time, would take advantage of that and take some for himself. So let me ask you this question. Are you living in the mindset of the bag. I'd like to give, but I just can't. If we're living in the mindset of the bag, I want you to know something, that there will never be enough. In fact, we know people, we can identify people in our lives just with this description that we know are living in the mindset of the bag because there's never enough. It won't matter how much money they make. It won't matter what kind of a job they have, there will never be enough. The second mindset that the scripture talks about is the basket. In the mindset of the basket, there's enough. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse one, and then in verse five, it says, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today. And then it says in verse five, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Let's bring this into the New Testament. Jesus said in Luke chapter six, verse 38, give and it will be given to you a good measure. pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For, the me- for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. When we think of a lap and something falling into our lap, our lap really can't hold much, can it? There's not much that we can hold. But remember, in this culture, they wore robes. So something that was poured over into your lap, you could hold a great amount in your lap. Now, it's summertime. Well, it was summertime two weeks ago. Now it's fall. But when when it's... Warm out, One, and I don't, man, I'll do it year-round, year but especially in the summertime, I like to go to Gilbert's. Anybody here like to go to Gilbert's? You know, I, I know a lot of you like to go to other places with soft-serve ice cream, and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not a, a soft-serve ice cream kind of guy. I am a real ice cream kind of guy. So when I go to Gilbert's, I immediately have to go and scan all of the, the flavors okay because I'm truly looking for one flavor I'm looking for bear attack all right I'm looking for bear attack that is that is far and away I mean I'll 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 eat zanzibar but I want bear attack okay and I want I want it in a waffle cone and I I, I order it with one scoop okay because I'm paying all right. And there's generally people with me. And so and I don't need that much anyway. But I absolutely enjoy doing that. And we all love it when we get there and that that young lady is she, you know, we hope she's been working out and, and her, you know, and she really just bears down and and she she puts that first amount in the bottom, packs it down, and then she gets that second scoop and she gets that out. And there's there, it just We love it, right? When there's so much that is just over. I mean, that, and you're like, I said one scoop. She said, it is one scoop. But then occasionally, there's the young lady that, I don't know if she's new. I don't know if her dad owns the place. But you can't see the ice cream above the waffle. And there's a little tear that sort of comes down my eye. We, we like it when we get it heaped on there. We love it when that, that confident employee that's been there for a long time and knows that this is why people come, and she scoops it on there, and she just piles it and drives it down into that cone just before the point of breaking. That's what we all love. We love to be treated this way, but in truth, do we treat the Lord this way? You see, we want to receive that way, but do we want to actually give that way? Do you want to receive, pressed down, shaken together, and running over? In the Gospels, we read about a little boy and our, this little boy uh, was, was listening to Jesus and they, there was a call to go out for what food do we have? And, and he obviously either came forward or somebody spotted him, but he's the kid with the five loaves and the two fish. So they decided that he was going to give it, but what is this among so many, the scripture says? There's no way that this is going to be Enough. But Jesus received it, he blessed it, and he gave it out. And everyone, the Bible says that day, had as much as they wanted to eat. And there were 12 baskets left over. That boy might have thought, that's it. I just gave up my lunch. I'm not gonna get any of it back. And all of a sudden, they got to him and they said, what do you want? So he began to take enough for himself to eat and he got everything that he needed and yet he looked around and 5,000 plus women and children were receiving all they wanted to eat. Let me tell you something. One of the lies that the enemy wants to use in your life and in my life is there's not enough to go around. That's what he wants you to think. That's what he wants you to believe. There's not enough. So I've got to keep this for myself. That's a lie from the enemy. In fact, that day there were 12 baskets left over. So are we of the basket mindset? Now, the basket mindset sort of says you know, whatever I have on me, I'm going to give. And we're gonna gonna give it to God and we're gonna ask God to bless it. We're gonna ask God to use it. And he often does miraculously. But let me tell you this. I believe that God wants us not to live in the, the bag mindset or the basket mindset. I believe that God desires us to live in that third mindset that we're gonna call the barn where there's even more than enough. When I was a kid, for one summer, much to the chagrin of my family, because I tell the, these stories and they laugh at me, but I worked on a dairy farm, and one of my responsibilities was to feed the calves. And so I would have to go up into the haymow, and I would have to drop bales of hay down through a a, a little square opening in the floor of the haymow, and down below the haymow was where the calves were kept. And so I would have to be up there in that hay mouth filled with hay, or I would have to go to the corn silo and I would have to get buckets of corn out of that silo. And I'm telling you, there was so much hay in that barn, there was so much corn in that silo that I literally never ran out, no matter how much I used, there was always enough. More than enough. Proverbs 3 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. We need to remember that it's not how much we give that matters, it's about first giving the first that matters. Either God is our source or he's not. Let's look at some Old Testament principles with some New Testament applications. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the firstfruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock, The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. The Bible says that Cain gave an offering, but Abel gave the firstborn. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, Scripture tells us that we should bring the best of the first fruits of the soil to the house of the Lord your God. In Leviticus 27 verse 30, it says, And a tithe of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In Malachi 3.10, it says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. The storehouse was the sanctuary. It was the temple, the place where people worshiped. This is the only scripture, Malachi, in the entire Bible that tells us that we can test God. You see, friends, it doesn't take us faith to give from the last, but it takes faith for us to give from the first. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God did something for you and I. He gave his first. He gave his best, the best of heaven. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and for me. What if God gave to us the way we sometimes give to him? You see, generosity is the center of God's heart. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means before we took one step toward him, God was willing to give us the best. He was willing to give us the first. He was willing to give us everything that it was going to take. Are we honoring God? Are we putting God first? You might look at your resources and say, there's no way that I can do that. The Bible says, test me and see. And I close with Psalm 37, verse 25, where the psalmist said, I was young and now I am old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Where do you want to live? Do you want to live in the bag? Do you want to live in the basket? Or do you want to live in the barn? Those mindsets, we make a decision. Where do we want to live? God, I want to honor you. Would you stand with me? Father, I pray, God, that we would, as your people, make a decision to honor you with everything that we have. God, to honor you with our talent, to honor you with our time, to honor you with our resources, to honor you in our families. God, I pray that we would decide that we don't want to be people that live in the bag where there's never enough. We don't even want to be people that live in the, in the basket where there, there's sometimes there's enough, but God, we want to be people that live in the barn. God, where there is always enough because it has been blessed by you. Father, I pray today your blessing to rest upon your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We're going to have the worship team come and they're going to lead us as we close our service. I just want to invite you to hang around after the service, fellowship with one another, get a cup of coffee, spend some time getting to know those that are around you, those that are here in the church. uh, and, And I'll tell you what, you will not be disappointed if you do that